Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast with special guest Brian Harrington at Brain Harrington on Twitter. He is the Bitcoin officer at Choice by Kingdom Trust, which is a Roth IRA, which allows you to hold Bitcoin in a retirement account. So if you haven't heard of them or you haven't checked them out yet, be sure to check them out at Choice by KT on Twitter as well. Um, and if you need a referral link, feel free to reach out to me, tweet at me and, uh, I'll get 50 bucks. You'll get 50 bucks in of Bitcoin in your retirement account. Um, but to the episode we go, uh, but one, real quick, one quick disclaimer, everything that is said in this podcast is the opinion of myself and the guest and should not be taken as financial advice. Um, we are both Bitcoin holders and Bitcoin hodlers, but like I said, nothing that we said in this podcast should be taken as financial advice everything's opinion and for entertainment purposes only all right now let's get to the show Whoosh. all right we are live with another edition of the state of bitcoin podcast i'm joined here with special guest brian harrington from choice by kingdom trust brian how are you doing what's up man what's up it's good to be here good glad, glad to have you thanks for coming on um, so, Brian, for those in the audience that don't know anything about you, why don't you give your, yourself a, a little rundown and, uh, you know, what, what you got going on, what you do in the Bitcoin space, and uh, tell us your Orange Pill story as well. Yeah, yeah. So I just sit here. Oh, I'm standing. I'm at my standing desk right now where I work with you and everyone else watching this to make sure that global time theft stops right now and make sure that our kids never have to open up bank accounts as we know it is uh, – what I'm all about. Um, yeah, day job is Bitcoin lead at Choice App, which is the only IRA that pays you in Bitcoin every day. And yeah, it's just the number one retirement account in the world for Bitcoiners. And then I'm a volunteer at the Orange County Bitcoin Network, which I actually live one county over in Riverside County now in Southern California, where we've got a meetup going on. Um, but yeah, big believer in Bitcoin meetups. And then yeah, I found Bitcoin. I have one email from my dad in 2014 that says the word Bitcoin in it. Um, unfortunately, he bought the like the Bitcoin trading bot that was running on Mt. Gox instead of just getting the Bitcoin and getting off of Mt. Gox. And so lost lost our 50 bucks on Mt. Gox and then found Coinbase the following year and uh, figured it out. And then we're off off the races from there. But yeah, so it's awesome that, you know, he's really the one that emailed me about Bitcoin first and we just did together. So that feels good. And then, yeah, I was... Back in the day, I worked on a lot of political campaigns. So I would just have a bunch of months off in between kind of marketing for those. And it's very like gig work, anyone that's been doing, been in that area. Um, and so basically as my like disenfranchised with politics, like was ramping up my like knowledge of Bitcoin was ramping up also. And that's when the flipping eventually happened and uh, just started working on Bitcoin. So thankful, thankful for that transition and thankful for what, uh, what Bitcoin's doing, seriously. That's awesome, man. I didn't know that, man. I, you're probably one of the few people I've ever met or heard their Bitcoin story where their dad, you know, somebody a little bit older has kind of orange filled mm -hmm. them. So that's pretty interesting. How, do you know how he got into it or kind of how he found it? Yeah. Yeah. So my dad's just a hyper online guy. Like he'd been, you know, following the work from home and like make money online stuff for a long time. Like I would go to conferences with him and just hear what people are doing and tinker around with it. And so I'm sure that's where he found it. All right, cool. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. All right, well, let's get into it. I know, like, you know, everybody that kind of knows you and, uh, you know, knows everything about Bitcoin, what you got going on in choice. They got a big question that I'm going to have to ask you here. What's up with yeah. the beard? How long have you been growing it? Why, yeah. why, why the long beard in California? I feel like it's pretty hot out there. Do you yeah. get food stuck it in all the time? Do you comb it? Do you groom it? Tell us the beard food. story. Yeah, so uh, food definitely gets stuck in it. It forces me to be a slower eater, which is good because I'm I'm very much like a wolf down my food like person. So that's that's helpful for me. Um, I've been growing it for. I kept saying like, oh, it's been seven years. It's been seven. It's been like nine years. It's been since 2013. So it's definitely like getting to the point where I'm about to be able to say 10 years. Um, I trimmed it like every now and then, but right now I'm in a very like growing it out phase. I'm trying to get the mustache over my mouth right now so that we can just be like full like. Like, I just want to be full, just, yeah, just one thing. Um, so I'm like, just trying to grow the mustache out. But uh, I don't know. I'm just thankful. Here's another fun fact is my wife and I actually met on a dating app for guys with beards. 
Like, really? so yeah. So th- it's, it's just a part of the deal now. It just is, it is a part of it. Now you can't get rid of it. So then who no. has a better Bitcoin beard, you or Jack Dorsey? I mean, I've never been able to stand side by side with them. So I guess we'd have, I'd have to build a meetup first for us to answer that question. There you go. Well, maybe, maybe we can make it happen at Bitcoin Miami, get a beard off or something like that. Yeah, hopefully. Awesome. All right. Well, there's been a, there's been a big, you know, a few things that's kind of happened throughout the uh, past week in Bitcoin. Um, but let's kind of like take it back to, to last week. Um, so the U.S. Senate Banking Committee held a hearing on digital assets. Uh, the title of the talk was Understanding the Role of Digital Assets in Illicit Finance. And they kind of covered everything from like Russia's potential use to avoid sanctions, um, you know, the Ukraine donations that they've been receiving from Bitcoiners and, you know, shitcoiners as well. Um, And then also, you know, the prevention of criminal activity through the use of digital assets. Did you by chance check uh, check this out? Were you able to sit and like listen to this two hour hearing or did you get a synopsis or anything like that? I did not. Nope. I did not listen to it. Did not get a synopsis of it. All right. Well, I'll give you a little bit of the rundown here. So um, there was there was two there was like a few speakers in there. One of them that kind of led off was uh, Chairman Sherrod Brown. Uh, He was pretty tentative going forward and he was kind of focusing on like the negatives and how, um, you know, it can be used for criminal activity and things like that. Um, But then there was another senator, Senator Toomey, who testified about the risk of not encouraging innovation in a rapidly growing sector, growing sector. So. Um, I think that there's, uh, you know, a lot of like differing views here. I think that there's still like a, a very big knowledge gap with politicians, um, you know, specifically the, the ones trying to make regulations are ironically enough. Um, but overall, you know, in my opinion, I think the discussion is kind of a, a, a start um, to, to understanding the you know, overall Bitcoin eco- ecosystem, like what all goes into it and everything. And I think it encourages politicians to become more like educated on the topic. Um, so, I mean, you, you kind of have an interesting background where, you know, you were in uh, politics uh, at one point in time and now you're a Bitcoiner. Do you have any, I guess, friends or anything like that that are still in the, the political realm or political sphere? And uh, do any of them like actually even approach you, um, you know, to speak about Bitcoin or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely still have some friends that are doing it and like playing the game. And I, I was exactly going to jump on that that just education piece that you said too. My my gut reaction to most of this just like Senate hearing stuff is I just feel bad for the people that are asking the questions. Like they don't. It's just not even close. It's it's not even close, and I just don't understand. And it's like, what are you going to do about it? Like, what are you going to do about it? Sweet, sweet. So you have an agenda or you have a pre-disposition to like what you feel like, right? And you're going to signal of the supposed like positive things that you want for the world or whatever. But what are you going to do about it? Like the world is so big. The exchanges are so big. This is happening. Like, I just don't, I don't like Bitcoin is already like too big to fail. Like it's already on in the S and P five hundred. It's already a part of what is happening, like in the world. And so I don't understand. It's just kind of a non-starter for me when people are like, it, like not even starting from there. And so then the comment about just yeah, the friends that still work for politicians and stuff is that some of them will ask about it, but ha- but so many of them won't. And it's more about just like they're just focused on other things. I'm like, dude, what are you doing every day? And I, and I just realized that there's such a, the, the world is so big. Like it's impossible to keep up with every single little narrative of all this stuff. Like I realized that, I actually just realized that. Like not to, not to take it like all the way back to Trump, but I just remember when people would be like up to the very last minute, like up to the minute thing of like, this is how they're spinning the Russia story. And this is the Trump response. And this is what the like press secretary said today. And then this is what they said. And this was what tweeted out like 40 minutes ago. Like, dude, there's no one regular people are not up to that. Like up to that 40 minute thing, dude, like regular people heard seven minutes about it last Tuesday. So no. So like, it's only inside people that are like tracking this like exact thing. And to me, like what's interesting about that is it's almost like 
decentralization is almost bigger than than like Bitcoiners even give like credit for. Like I think what's funny, and I've said this before in like a different context, but it's almost like other people are actually going harder than Bitcoiners are even sometimes. Like Bitcoiners, we, we talk big game and we do because we have pocket aces. Bitcoin is pocket aces and we have the ability to dictate the way that the game's going to go because we're in the best position. But then some other people are still playing even harder than we are with less tools. And what I mean by that is like just understanding that like no purposeful like disrespect them but i just don't really feel like the senate has any control over anything like the world the world is a wild wild place and i just don't i like i'm not sure i believe in that paradigm anymore that like they have the ability to like actually do anything yeah i mean i i agree with you 100 percent. and and you know I, to senator toomey's point he was like yeah, essentially, we're moving too slow on this. And it kind of seems like a trend, at least in the United States, where it's a lot of these regulations, whether it's even something as like, as, as, you know, sort of minuscule as daylight savings time, right? So it got like, yeah. unanimously elected, or uh, passed by the House, I believe, and, and the, it won't even go into the next round of voting until next year. And then it probably, if it gets passed there, then it won't go into effect till 2024. So it's like we're completely too slow. Like even, even com that's a great and completely too slow on everything. Take Bitcoin and crypto out of it. Take Bitcoin and crypto out of it. Daylight saving, perfect example. Like the, and I, I tweeted this out today, like software, people that are writing software are writing their code faster than bureaucrats are writing legislation. And the whole thing now is sweet. You guys want to do something bad against Bitcoin and write about it and talk about it and then have it happen 18 months from now? Awesome. Our code will be ready then to like go around it when we get there. Like, and so they don't, they don't have the ability. There's no infrastructure, bureaucrats, bureaucrats. There's no infrastructure for them to do anything because producers and people that make code and people that make things, physical things, buildings, software, anything, we're in complete control of our own lives now. Like this is the future. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, like you said, it, it's moving too slow. And, you know, in the digital age, things are just moving very, very quickly, whether it's Bitcoin or anything else, because exactly like you said, you can program it, you can make a website, you can, you know, spread information at, you know, 250 characters at, you know, at your fingertips now, um, you know, whether it's there, Facebook or wherever you can, Reddit even, you can go and spread information and people are passing that back and forth through so many different mediums that, you know, it's, it's like they can't even hide or uh, it's, it's almost like, how are they not figuring this stuff out? Or how are they not doing this research at this point? Because it's getting to the point where it's like, it's such a large industry. Like you said, there's so many exchanges, there's billboards, there's stadiums named after, you know, Bitcoin and right. crypto related companies. And it's just like everywhere you turn, there's something about it. But then they get in front of the public and you see it on C-SPAN or wherever you see it, clips on Twitter, and they just sound so uneducated about Bitcoin and crypto as a whole. And it's like, all right, well, it's either we got to elect some people that have some knowledge to it or, you know, they got to catch up and, and or, you know, the United States is going to fall very, very far behind um, when it comes to this. So, um, yeah, we I think have it's like, you know, the Black Mirror episode in. I'm saying Black Mirror episode as an analogy, but in a neutral way. I'm not saying like the world is like ugly the way that it's portrayed in Black Mirror, but when they, they have the ones where the tech companies effectively are the government. Like the companies, companies are more powerful than governments now. Like groups of people together to do something have influence. And, and it's almost just like, like yeah, just humans companies are able to decide what they're going to do and then they are like telling the politicians like hey this is what's happening yeah exactly i mean the uh you know the canadian bitcoiners in here are saying that the laws are reactionary when it comes to bitcoin and that's 100 percent true because you know they don't you know they, they're not up to date on everything like that so they have to react to it because they can't get a, get ahead of it because they don't understand the technology and you know to your point i mean i mean like even bringing it back to to what you were saying the you know with the trump election and everything like that you know facebook at that point was was dead set in the news saying that it's you know manipulating the election and everything like that 
Um, and, uh, you know, that's just like a prime example right there where it's like, okay, you know, technology and companies now are having real world effects on, on everything. Um, and it's not just through their pockets anymore. It's through, you know, the, the products that they're putting out or, you know, the software and everything like that. So I think, you know, as a whole, like connecting is, is very good and, and the spread of information is just making things way too quick. And, uh, yeah, I think the Senate hearing was just extreme, extremely evident that, you know, that the governments are, are falling behind when it comes to knowledge of, uh, you know, Bitcoin and the ever changing uh, landscape that, that we have going on here. Mm -hmm. All right. So I got another story for you. It's kind of on the same lines of, uh, you know, governments, but um, Florida, the state of Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis announced um, I'm not sure when he, when, when he announced it, but fairly recently that the state of Florida is working on a plan to accept Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies for business taxes. Um, so I think this is pretty interesting, especially when it comes to Bitcoin mining, uh, because I think, you know, if a company is you know mining Bitcoin and, and instead of, uh, you know, potentially mining Bitcoin and then having to sell to pay taxes, um, instead, they could essentially just, uh, you know, use that to pay, um, pay their corporate taxes. Um, and, and the state of Florida has been extremely friendly when it's come to, to Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, also Miami, uh, Bitcoin Miami is going on in, what is it, like two weeks or so now at this point. Um, and that city has been very friendly to Bitcoin and other, you know, blockchain and crypto to a lesser extent. Um, so, yeah, Florida overall, uh, very bullish on Bitcoin and, and crypto. So what do you uh, think about Florida allowing businesses to pay um, taxes in Bitcoin or crypto? Yeah, so quickly, anecdotally on Ron DeSantis, I just had um, my wife's cousins were over to the house last weekend from Florida and like kind of just moderate liberal like um, guys and they're big fans of Ron DeSantis. So that's just anecdotally on that, that um, sounds like sounds like things are positive for him and um, favorable that people are enjoying what he's doing. On the topic of paying taxes uh, with Bitcoin, I'm actually super pro this. Like I'm pro because because that's the like Bitcoin as a currency. Anytime Bitcoin's being adopted as a currency, that's super positive, like for Bitcoin. And then having it be all the way up at that level to where like the state is understanding that receiving it is valuable is I'm, that's great. Like that's amazing. And because um, it also if the state of Florida has Bitcoin on its balance sheet, that's a way that the state of Florida is like decentralizing itself from the federal government. Like, and that's the thing all the way trickling down. Like I have this, if like cities should put Bitcoin on its balance sheet, homeowners associations should put Bitcoin on its balance sheet, states should put Bitcoin on its balance sheet. And it's a way to protect yourself against federal overreach. And so you as a company, like, I don't, I don't like the thing. I don't like the thing when some people say like, oh, the, you know, states like tr states or cities trying to accept taxes in bitcoin as a way that they're just trying to like take your bitcoin or whatever because it's like look you owe them the money either way like we can talk about we can talk about whether the taxes are effective or whether they spend them effectively or like whatever and you want to change that like completely go for it and change that but if it's on paper that you owe them and it's being enforced that you owe them money and they give you the ability to pay in bitcoin i would pay in bitcoin because it doesn't matter the opportunity cost is the same the opportunity cost is the same so I would run the traffic over the Bitcoin, run the traffic over Bitcoin, force, force the accountants hired by the state of Florida to figure out Bitcoin accounting. That's going to pay you forward as a Bitcoiner. It's going to completely pay you forward as a Bitcoiner to force the accountants of the state of Florida to see that traffic come across. Don't let it be a thing where the way that like Mark Cuban turns on the Bitcoin and then it's like, well, no one used it, blah, 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 no traffic or whatever. Don't let bureaucrats like say that. Don't let them say that. If you have the ability to do it, then run the, like run the traffic over it, um, because it's positive for you as a person also to learn how to account on Bitcoin. Because and then for businesses, if you have the opportunity to pay your taxes in Bitcoin, then demand payment in Bitcoin from your customers. Producers have the ability to dictate payment terms. You have the ability to say, "I accept Visa. I don't accept American Express." You have the ability to do that. You have the ability to say, "I accept Bitcoin." and I don't accept US dollars. You have the ability to do that. And you as the producers producing a product that your customers want and providing them an easy way to pay, you have the ability to completely dictate uh, the way that customers go in your store.
Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that, that I didn't even think of that point of uh, you know businesses accepting uh, Bitcoin as payment. And you know, anecdotally too, I, I'm I'm in the Tampa area, and there's a lot of restaurants, small businesses around in the neighborhood that I live in. And every single one that I'm seeming to go to says like something along the lines with inflation or due to inflation, we're having to raise cost of our mm -hmm. menu. Right. So um, they all accept credit cards. Nobody pays in cash anymore. So they're all losing that 3% fee to whether it's Visa, MasterCard, American Express, whatever. Um, so, you know, I, that's why I'm very bullish on, on Square going forward, because 90% mm -hmm. of these businesses use Square or something along those lines. And if, you know, Square, or, or I guess, Block now um, starts mm -hmm. integrating Lightning Network where I could you know, essentially pay with, with Bitcoin, that would be something that would be, you know, very beneficial to those companies. And then instead of having to convert it to USD, then they can just, you know, pay their taxes in that too. So, um, you know, I think it's overall, it'll help small businesses a lot more than anything else. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I think in, in 2018, the one of the counties in Orlando, I believe it's called Seminole County, uh, has actually been uh, accepting tax payments through uh, BitBay. Um, so it's already kind of been implemented in the state of Florida, but now it's like widespread throughout the entire state, which is like, you know, I think the top five are, you know, maybe behind California, Texas, and New York um, population wise. So um, one of the biggest uh, states in the country, and then a lot of businesses are obviously flocking here because of, you know, the good weather, no state income tax, uh, you know, the list of benefits goes on. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, like you said, uh, I, I you actually have kind of an interesting point compared to most Bitcoiners that I know um, and speak to about this is most Bitcoiners kind of say that the, along the lines, you know, of don't give the government your Bitcoin, uh, you know, stay private with it, hold your own keys, all that kind of stuff. But it, but it does make sense. And it in order for it to be a uh, currency, at least in the United States, you're going to have to pay taxes in it eventually. <laughs> Right. Well, so here's uh, until Bitcoin becomes the world reserve and we go full decentralization and like states become sovereign, like in themselves and cities become sovereign and then homeowners associations become sovereign, which I'm not. I'm, I think there's a complete chance that that happens. I think there's a fully chance that that happens. But I think the pre chance of that is the states themselves accepting payment like in Bitcoin. And here's the thing. If you're one of those people that's like, hey, don't pay the state in Bitcoin keep your own Bitcoin, and then you're paying them with uh, ACH from your Wells Fargo account, give me a break. Like, give me a break. Don't, don't tinker at the edges with, like, keep my Bitcoin private while you're using a Wells Fargo account, okay? So, like, that, I just, I'm done. Like, I'm done with that. Because, and I used to do that. Like, I used to follow that logic, and I'm done. I don't follow that logic anymore. If you're holding dollars in a Wells Fargo account, that could have been Bitcoin. Okay. And then that Bitcoin checking account could have paid the employees that you owe money to, the vendors that you owe money to, the state that you owe money to, and the landlord that you owe money to. Okay. Bitcoin works across every single thing that other money works for and can work for. And it's up to us to figure it out. And so if you're in a state where they're even remotely thinking about this, you should be encouraging them to help save America. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not just Florida as well. Um, you know, we have the Canadian Bitcoiners in here, as I said, Colorado, which they, they did. They said that they're going to start um, accepting tax payments. I believe they said they're going to start in July. And I know the state of Wyoming does as well. So, um, you know, three very largely populated states uh, being very friendly to, to Bitcoiners as a whole. And I know, um, you know, not necessarily, uh, you know, to paying taxes, but I know that the state of Illinois and Georgia also are rolling out tax breaks to Bitcoin mining companies if they want to come there as well. So, um, you know, whether you like it or not, taxes are going to play a role in businesses and, and Bitcoin businesses are starting to pop up everywhere around the country. And, you know, these are things like accounting things that you're going to have to take into account, right? So um, if you can, instead of, you know, converting into um, USD to, you know, get that cap gains hit. If you could just pay directly in Bitcoin, it, it makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the Canadian Bitcoiners in here said also that the uh, state of Colorado is going to be converting Bitcoin to USD. So, I mean, you know, even though that they're not holding Bitcoin on their balance sheet, maybe they'll decide to, and maybe they'll think it's easier in the end. Um, who knows? You know, time will tell. It's it's one step in the right direction. Um but uh, yeah, 
anything else on that one? I mean, just, if, yeah, if you, it, I know it bagged on senders at the beginning of it, or I was bagging on the senders at the beginning of it. As every time you go down, it's easier to get in touch with these people. They're real people. They're real people. Like city council people, congressional people, state assembly people are regular people that live in the same neighborhoods you do with real email addresses, the same way you have email addresses and they drink coffee the same way you drink coffee. And so I would encourage you like as a Bitcoiner to take ownership over where you live and focus on meeting one of them. Focus on meeting one of them and meet them and tell them face to face the same way you do on podcasts and on Twitter and all this stuff about like, look, I'm a regular American. I'm a regular like Floridian that lives right here. And I use Bitcoin as my base currency because it's better for me and my family. Thank you for helping. Yeah, exactly. All right. So now we'll take it, you know, across the sea. So obviously there's a, you know, the war going on between Russia and Ukraine. um, And there's been some sanctions put into place, but Russia announced today that they're going that they're open to sell their natural gas uh, for Bitcoin. Um, so Russia is currently the number one in- exporter for oil and natural gas. And even with the sanctions placed on uh, Russia by other countries globally due to their invasion of Ukraine, um, they're still no- one of the top exporters of natural gas and oil. Um, and the adoption of Russia to accept Bitcoin as payment. Uh, I think is extremely negative for the U.S. dollar um, because, you know, a lot of transactions will be going through this. Um, so settling a deal in another currency, which we've already seen Russia do, um, I believe earlier this year, both Russia and China settled oil deals in, um, you know, different currencies outside of the USD. But, you know, at the end of the day, those currencies were backed by the U.S. dollar. Uh, now that they're open to accepting, uh, you know, these uh, excellent uh now that they're open to accepting uh, their sale of natural gas and Bitcoin, I think, uh, you know, overall, that's just, you know, bullish for adoption as a whole. And it kind of, uh, you know, really, really takes a dive at, at the U.S. dollar. Um, so I think, you know, obviously, there's a lot of negatives that are surrounding the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Uh, but it seems like this conflict's kind of speeding up the adoption of uh, Bitcoin and, uh, you know, to a lesser extent, other cryptos, because it seems like you know, governments and, and people all around are kind of seeing the use case, you know, firsthand. Uh, so what do you kind of think about, I guess, all of this as a whole? Yeah, so um, two favorite people to listen to on this are George Gammon and Luke Groman. I would just search both those names on YouTube. I'm sure you're familiar, but everyone should search George Gammon and Luke Groman. And um they have just really great videos on like what would happen if Russia immediately demanded payment for oil and natural gas in gold. And then George has been like talking, both of them um, run the thought exercise with gold. And then they sub note Bitcoin um, across multiple discussions pre this announcement. Um, And so it's been like very good. My like thoughts on this are like the United States has like made bad decisions with using the dollar as a weapon. They've like overplayed their hand, use the dollar as a weapon. People are frustrated. People are frustrated. And so people are looking for a neutral currency to do things in, like a neutral currency where you can't be deplatformed regardless of who you are. Okay. And because Luke, like, and Luke makes this great point also, Luke Grumman, in one of his videos, he goes, look, because, because people immediately be like, well, well, like Russia's being bad. Like this is, this is good. Like they're being bad. And you're like, okay like the list of countries that haven't been bad is very, very small. Like if you look back at the last 50 years and like the choices that the United States have made, like it just can't, like our, and it circles back to the beginning of the discussion. Our leaders are awkward. Like our leaders are being awkward and being slow and not making good decisions. At, like and that's frustrating that's super frustrating because yeah. like we we bitcoiners have the solution and it's time for people that don't understand what's happening in the world to move out of the way because like and so there's all of that and then there's also when you get down to like the actual science and math and physics of it like Henry, Henry Ford has the quote of saying that currency should be tied to energy like this. So, the, and then if you just go through the whole mental exercise of how the flare gas 
can turn into Bitcoin and can turn a zero into a positive and can make it so that like you can monetize waste. That's like the most, that's a, that's humanity stepping forward and solving problems. So if you look at it from the politics perspective of just our leaders are not like being good leaders and aren't like reading the room correctly and are making poor decisions. And then you look at the math and physics and like just logic of having a currency tied to energy makes sense. It's like, it just, this is happening. Like this is the reality of what's happening. Um, and so yes, like our Bitcoiners position to take gigantic advantage of this. Yeah. 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 I mean, a hundred percent. And, you know, to your, to your point about Bitcoiners uh, making, you know, take, being able to take advantage of this situation, it's not like, you know, rich, rich people and like very wealthy people in, in the fiat space aren't positioned to take you know advantage of, you know, inflationary times or even recessions. Right. So, you know, generally speaking, when those things happen, the rich get richer, the poor get poor and the wealth gap increases. So Bitcoin is kind of, at least in my view, you know, a, a kind of a, a resetting metric here or a resetting currency, right? So if somebody goes and finds it and gets, you know, a few years ago, got 10 Bitcoin or something, they're, they're sitting pretty right now, right? Um, and it's just, a, a, you know, how long you can could zoom out your time horizon and how many other things you can do um, with that. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, like you said, the writing's on the wall. And I think Bitcoiners kind of have seen it before everybody else. And um, this whole, you know, whether it's COVID, the Ukraine war, um, you know, everything else, all these situations that have kind of happened the past couple of years have seemed to almost accelerate adoption. Right. So it's, uh, you know, the, the global money supply or the United States money supply has printed over 40 percent of the total money supply since 2020. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, countries that are, uh, you know, de denominated in the U.S. dollar are just kind of sick of it at this point. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, with the sanctions put in place in Russia, Russia kind of got their hand forced to do this. And, uh, you know, they're going to see the benefits. Right. So we've already seen smaller countries like El Salvador. And we'll get into to that in a, in a bit as well. Um, you know, get into this. And, and we're seeing more and more of these countries get into Bitcoin adoption or potential uh, Bitcoin adoption and talking about Bitcoin as legal tender. And I think, you know, Russia moving towards this, um, you know, as large as, of a country it is, as, as big as it is in the global GDP and, you know, being the number one exporter in, in uh, natural gas and oil, um, you know, it's just going to accelerate that even more. So, um, you know, I used to think that we were a long ways away for um, Bitcoin adoption globally, uh, especially before, you know, pre-COVID eras, eras when I was first kind of getting into it. And uh, now, I mean, it's, it seems like every day that passes and every, uh, you know, every news article that drops weekly, it seems like we're getting closer and closer and that time horizon shrinking dra dramatically. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, uh, I guess on top of we were talking a little bit about, you know, Bitcoin mining um, in or Bitcoin in Russia for natural gas and oil. So on top of that, we'll, we'll let's jump into Exxon Mobil. Um, they announced t today, I believe, or at least I saw the news today that they're going to use flare gas uh, to mine BTC. Uh, so earlier this year, ConocoPhillips, another uh, oil giant in the United States, announced that they're selling flare gas to an undisclosed Bitcoin mining company, uh, but they do not hold BTC on the balance sheet or they're not mining it themselves. Um, and then ExxonMobil announced that they are doing the same in the state of South Dakota, which is also the state that Con ConocoPhillips is doing it as well. Um, they announced that the project started in January 2021 and it uses about uh, 18, 18 million cubic feet of gas per month. Um, so, you know, it's another large company that's finding uh, excess energy and using it to earn a profit. Um, so I don't know, in my opinion, it seems like almost every single one of these companies that has some sort of excess energy, whether it's flare gas or, or something else is going to find a way to harness that energy and add it or, and add Bitcoin mining in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, just from a general business perspective, why wouldn't you, right? Because it's uh, you know, a profitable business, you're losing that energy anyway. And, uh, 
you know, exactly like, like we were saying earlier, it's like you're flaring it into the ecosystem and, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, friendly to the environment, despite what uh, some of the ESG narrative might want to say. Harnessing this energy overall, just very bullish from my perspective. Um, So what do you think about the ExxonMobil announcement? Yeah, they, I mean, again, the best part is that there's corporate people inside ExxonMobil that are going to have to be running the mental like analysis on how to do the account on like seeing the word Bitcoin in their email box on, you know, calling up the local rep and saying, Hey, please go to site five to fix the valve, like of the Bitcoin miner, like, of you know what I mean? And that I love that part of it. I love that people are humans just regular people out and about are seeing bitcoin like at their at their job um in in a place like south dakota like this is real and it's happening um and then just on energy yeah surplus as a whole like i've been i have solar at my house now for the first time and it's just interesting like being an energy producer like i am an energy producer and so now i'm like getting in the weeds of like well how much are you paying me for my energy or how much am i paying for the energy that i'm using and i'm like realizing that the whole thing is like super rigged like if i like if i have a surplus kilowatt hour of energy the utility company pays me three and a half cents for it but if i use one of their kilowatt hours of energy they charge me 30 cents for it that's rigged that's rigged okay so we don't need to do that anymore now we have bitcoin like again so there i'm now a an, an individual that can in my citadel, in my little homestead carved out here on my 10,000 feet can build what I want to do and create my own energy and monetize it the way that I want to monetize and just break even with them and have nothing to do with them. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's terrific. And it's terrific that now that same thing can happen all the way up at ConocoPhillips and they can use all this flare gas and instead of having to pay for the credits and have it be a negative that they're outgoing money, they're now incoming money. And now the worst problem that they're going to have to solve is which currency do they hold it in? So that's a good problem to have that someone at their corporate office is now going to have to run those numbers and decide which currency they hold it in. Yeah. So let's get into this little citadel that you have going on at, at your place. So I know I've seen you on Twitter posting a little bit about, uh, you know, I believe you have like a water rig in your backyard mm-hmm. as well. So are you mm-hmm. using uh, Bitcoin mining to kind of, I guess, uh, you know, heat up that water or uh, or as like a water heater? Or what are you using Bitcoin mining for? Yeah. So separate projects, two separate projects. I have a rainwater capture project happening in the backyard, just gutters flowing down in the water tank. And then I have Bitcoin miners running in the garage and I have um, like a measuring tool that's inside of my panel that measures how much surplus I have. And so on the solar front, yeah, during the winter, currently when I haven't been running the AC, my panels generate about 14 to 18 kilowatt hours a day of energy and my house uses about 10. So I have about four to eight of surplus every single day. And that's how I got on the phone with them and like was digging through all that information of they, they don't pay market rate back for the surplus. And so I'm going to find out like my own way to like use the surplus. Um, and that's, yeah, I hope, I hope other like homesteaders and just permaculture people can like begin to like learn this because it's awesome seeing corporations do it. And it's even more awesome seeing like regular people that are trying to make energy production, you know, work at their like houses, you know, work. Yeah, so uh, so Dan's in the audience is saying put those miners into the water to combine the projects. Um, so what are you get? What's your plan with the rainwater then? Are you just yeah. uh, collecting it? Are you going to try to, uh, I guess, disinfect it and all that and use it as like drinking water? So, or what are you going to do there? Definitely no. If it comes to that, like I definitely want to be able to treat it and drink it. But yeah, it's three. It's three prong. Um, well, two prong. It's to it's to yeah water the garden. So it's to either water the garden and do stuff in the backyard of it, or yes, keep it as backup if there was an emergency and be able to drink it. And there definitely are ways to be able to bring it inside the house and treat it for drinking water. There's also two ways that I'm able to capture water. Like people a lot say like, well, it doesn't rain very much. Like, why are you doing that? You're like, because it doesn't rain very much. That's why I'm doing it. Like, because if you only get nine inches a year, like you need to like be excited and capture that nine inches a year. A thousand square feet of your roof can capture 600 gallons of water. So it can actually stack up, or sorry, off of one inch of rain. One inch of rain, 1,000 square foot of roof, 
can capture 600 gallons of water. So it can actually stack up very fast. Um, but then also I have the ability, I need to build this out next, but I'm gonna build out the ability to just fill the, fill the tank from my municipal water. So it's like a battery, like kind of in the same way people are familiar with like a solar panel fills up a battery and then that's backup energy for your house. The same thing, I wanna be able to flip the switch that runs the hose, fills up the tank up to, so I always have a thousand gallons on hand. And then, so I have an energy battery and I have a water battery. And so you have that three to four days of sustainability. Wow. Oh man, look at you using all that energy just to saying that's awesome. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of like, you know, along the lines of Bitcoin, right? So uh, just kind of like we we're saying, just utilizing every everything that you got going on, um, whether it's rainwater or, you know, excess solar energy. So good on mm -hmm. you and keep up the good work and keep tweeting about it. I like to, I like to read about it and, and see how you're sustaining out there too. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also kind of criminal that they're, uh, you know, giving you 10% back of what they would also charge uh, for your it's excess brutal. That's, that's And look, dude, the bureaucrats don't know. The bureaucrats don't know what to do with it. Like they don't know what to do with it. And, and here's a funny thing. Because the state of California mandates that all new homes have solar on them, there's now so many homes that have solar that SoCal Edison is like, it's cutting into how much money SoCal Edison makes. And so you have this like loggerheads like of the thing. And so what does SoCal Edison do? They start upping the amount that you pay for nighttime energy. And so if you produce, you get credit towards your nighttime energy. But if you buy from them at nighttime, then you're paying higher rates, which then when new people are running the math on our solar panels worth it, they're increasingly arriving at the answer is no, because the nighttime rates are too high anyways. And so you have these bureaucracies that aren't talking to each other when there's want to talk about trust the science, like there's actually science, physics, math, like solutions to this. Like how about next to the air conditioning unit, we have the Bitcoin mining unit. How about like, and then you just run the entire thing. Like there are solutions to this. And that's just another thing like humans in the internet, the internet is moving faster than the bureaucracies are moving. Like I, I'm just a big on like watching YouTube and like following influencers and like finding out the life hacks and just like optimizing every single part of your life. Like we have the ability to do that. Yeah, no, exactly. And you're, I think you're a special case out here because I, I, I do think a lot of Bitcoiners understand, you know, that, that it is a scam in, in some sense, some sense of the word and, and that we're being ripped off and that, you know, the system as a whole has been negatively affecting people for, you know, since it came off the gold standard in 1971. Uh, but, you know, from your perspective, I, I know you surround yourself with a lot of Bitcoiners do you think a lot of people are actually running these numbers and kind of going about it this way? Or do you think you're just kind of a, a one-off in this case? Here's what I'll say. In, in 2022, I'm trying to like make a commitment to myself and to just like think, I want to think about things differently. I want to think about Bitcoin differently. I want to think about everything dif like differently. I talked about how I used to work in politics. Like I, I'm still, I'm still partial to politics. Like I'm still partial to being an activist and like caring about the local community and like, having a strong opinion and like imposing that on the world and like making it a better place. But I also don't Bitcoin Twitter right now, in my opinion, is like very focused on the system and very focused on what the government's doing and very focused on like kind of like still fighting COVID, honestly. Like, and I don't care about that at all anymore. Like I'm not focused on like what the system is doing anymore. Like I don't, I'm at my house, like building my backyard and like, working on what I'm doing, like in working on getting Bitcoiners to like show up to the same bar every Thursday. Like that's what I'm doing And lots. Of, and honestly, and I'm not, lots of people are doing that. Lots of people are doing that, but oftentimes there's venting that's happening on Twitter, like all day, every day. And I get it. I get why there's venting because clown world is doing lots of ridiculous, weird, funny things. I agree. I agree with that but I don't want to absorb that anymore. Like I don't want to ingest that in the same way that we're all hyper-focused on like eating healthier or whatever. Like, I just think we need to be more focused on like, like digesting positive information also. Um, and so to me, like homesteading and like, honestly, like, re like real estate and just like thinking about and low and local politics and like building the local meetup is like a break from like, is Bitcoin beating fiat money? It's like a tangential, it's like a tangential workout. 
And I, and I, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to spend my other energy on like tangential workouts that are like, honestly fun, like fun and recharging. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of negative news out there, you know, so I definitely agree with you on that. And it, it seems like there's more and more to get annoyed with or pissed off with online. Um, so, I mean, you know, I, I've had a great experience. I've been lucky enough to, to go up to the Nashville Bitcoin meetup. Um, you know, I've obviously gone to the one down in here, Tampa. I'm going to BTC Miami, which I'm really excited about. But, um, you know, one thing that I think is really unique about the Bitcoin meetups is, um, at least from my uh, personal life, there hasn't been a lot of people that I've met that, uh, you know, are involved with Bitcoin. Um you know, whether it's my, well, now, you know, I got a new job, but uh, in my previous job or, you know, with my family or old high school friends, but you know, when you go to those meetups, it's a lot of like-minded people. Um, and, and I'm, I'm meeting those through internet, you know, whether it's Twitter or whatever, uh, these podcasts, I get to have uh, you know, a conversation with a few of them a week, um, which is great. But uh, you know, I really think that that interhuman uh, interaction, uh, you know, means a lot to a lot of people. And I think, uh you know, kind of every time I, I go to one of these, I feel a little bit more regenerated and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, ready to go learn a little bit more about Bitcoin. And sometimes, you know, like you said, when you're online on Twitter, you just see all the negatives and, and it is it is draining at times. Right. So um, I know grabbing the real world connection, grabbing the real world connections has been has changed my life over Twitter, has completely changed the course of my life. Like Twitter, I'm not I'm not fully bagging on it. I'm not fully bagging on it. Like it most closely replicates real world networking and the rapid way that you can meet the like-minded people and then pull down and meet them locally is amazing. And it's still an amazing, amazing tool for that. And then what I want people to understand is that what you say like matters, it does matter. Like you are a leader. I, some people I think try to overdo the like rules without like rulers and the whole just like decentralized movements or whatever don't need leaders or whatever and i'm not i'm not talking about leaders and like heroes as like these like people we bow down to i'm not talking about that i'm talking about like like there's just moving in one direction like moving in one direction that's still like something that can be like happening and you i yeah meeting people locally using the internet to meet people locally swapping ideas faster is how the whole thing just continues to get better and better yeah exactly all right well now let's get back to uh, another another story um that was going around bitcoin twitter today um so the bitcoin volcano bonds in el salvador were slightly delayed um uh, bukele actually went at um some fud uh, today on Twitter. And I always like, you know, following Bukele. So if you're not following him, you should definitely follow, uh, you know, the president of El Salvador, because he's, you know, one of the more savage people on, on the internet, to say the very least. But uh, he went at, um, you know, re- I don't even know how to say this, like rooters or, or what, but uh, he said he's basically a fan of Bitcoin Mag, uh, because the rooters FUD is that the volcano bonds were, uh, delayed for various reasons and he came out and said that it, essentially there's a short delay in the issuance it's only because they're prioritizing internal pension reform and that uh they that they're going to send that to that they've sent that to congress before so um mm-hmm. overall they're going to you know issue these bitcoin bonds shortly it seems or at least according to you know bukele's twitter um but yeah, uh, it seems like that's going to start the development of Bitcoin City um, and uh, volcano mining in uh, in El Salvador. So El Salvador obviously is extremely bullish on Bitcoin going forward, and uh, you know the first country that um, made Bitcoin legal tender. Um, so I think a lot of Bitcoiners don't realize like how much, in my opinion, is, is kind of riding on El Salvador. Um, I think a lot of the the globe is kind of watching this project um, and cities here or there, and even some smaller uh, third world countries are kind of seeing how this project is going and learning from El Salvador uh, to see how they can implement this for themselves going forward. Um, so what do you think about the bonds getting delayed and uh, kind of bu- the way Bukele has kind of held himself online and like publicly um, when it comes to making Bitcoin legal tender? Yeah. Um, so I like like 95% of his tweets. I like most of the trolling. I like most of the trolling. I think it's productive. I think it's helpful. I think, 
I think parts of it, um, super small percentage has not been helpful um, to him himself. Not like I'm offended or whatever, just like the classic, like probably 5% of it has like, you know, gone, gone negative against him, but that's fine. Like, and then as far as the Bitcoin bond, I don't, it's takes a giant long time to like do anything. And so what I, my understanding of the bond is that they're going to, okay, they're going to raise the money. Like they're going to keep half of it in Bitcoin, use half of it to like do the um, capital improvements. And then the idea is that the Bitcoin would be able to pay back the invest, the half Bitcoin would be able to pay back the investors like over time is my understanding of that. And if that's correct, that's the most well-designed one of these things that I've heard so far, because to slightly bag on the city of Miami and what they tried to do with their like city coin, I didn't understand the structuring of that at all. When they were like, Hey, we donated $5 million to help homelessness. I'm like, cool. Like that sounds like a, like a small GoFundMe like thing. Like I don't, that's a drop in the bucket with all these other, again, Fiat bathtub of programs problem. Like I don't sweet, sweet. Like I genuinely hope that helped a few people. Like, but what, what El Salvador is doing of like, it sounds like having a very long-term thing and really going for it. I'm like half the money in Bitcoin doing the capital improvements and paying the, like, like I'm interested. I want to hold one of these. Like I would do that. I would do that. Like I would spend like, hope if it was a small minimum, I would hold one of those because I think that's interesting. And I want to like be a part of that. Um, as far as things riding on El Salvador, I agree with you. I think, I think that I think their experiment is like definitely still impactful. And it's one of these things where it's like the, the announcements and the buzz were like exciting, but what's more exciting is like, is the actual day to day, like of the work that's like actually happening. Like people actually going there, spending Bitcoin at the hotel, walking around like themselves, seeing it. And then also like, Mc, we've talked about this before, but like McDonald's, Starbucks, Taco Bell, like these companies, again, figuring out what's actually happening, like with the payments that are happening like at their restaurants, that's going to have domino impacts across their other stores if it goes well. Um, I liked today, like seeing Max Kaiser um, flying around with um, the guy from Mexico. Like, I think that's super influential. I think that's super, super influential. Um so yeah, like I'm very excited for them. And I think, and the reason why I'm not the, um, also Bukele's back and forth with the one Senator, like from the U S too, again, just shows how awkward we are. Like, that's just not, dude, it's just not interesting at all. Like you're not winning the internet. You don't understand how the internet works. You don't understand how Bitcoin works. You don't understand what's happening. You're not reading the room. You can't, you can't fathom that people would be frustrated with the decisions that you're making and that like regular people, like you're there, the United States then by being like antagonistic is putting regular people like me, like in an awkward position because then someone's like, look, I don't, dude, I'll side with El Salvador. Like if that's what you're asking me to do, if you're honestly pushing me to do that and asking me to do that, completely will do that because their leader is making more logical decisions than you are. And that's just the way it is now because the internet shares the information that fast. And so like, sorry, like, and then again, back to then circling back to like the whole homestead thing, like, dude, you can't even, you're not even doing anything positive from my little 10,000 square feet right here. And so I don't care about your opinion about what El Salvador is doing at all. And so I'm going to cheer on the guy that I think is making the more logical decisions. So yeah, all of that is, I hope the Bitcoin bond works out. Um, never noticed that it was delayed and agreed that Bitcoin magazine is better than Reuters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, I think that just the, the funny part about it too, is like the United States is trying to act like they have control over, you know, El Salvador when it comes to these, uh, these things. And it, it doesn't really make sense as to why that they're so, you know, worried about what El Salvador is doing when we're supposed to be like this, you know, global powerhouse and El Salvador is supposed to be this little drop in the pan. Um, and because of that, uh, you know, it just doesn't really, uh, you know, make sense why we're saying like, hey, you know, um, 
El Salvador implemented this policy. Now we're going to investigate it. And so um, it's just kind of showing the United States weakness, in my my opinion, and, and kind of exactly what you're saying along the lines of, you know, what are we even doing here? Um, like, why are, uh, you know, we worried about what El Salvador is doing and, and going at them publicly? We're just giving them, you know, more and more gas. I kind of you know, it's kind of a weird comparison to me, but it's almost like, <clears throat> you know, the, the NFL with Barstool Sports. Um, so I'm not sure if you kind of follow this, but they always try to block Barstool Sports and everything. And in, in the end, it just gives them more publicity. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what it's doing with El Salvador and, um, you know, the United States is like the more you go at them, the more people are going to notice, hey, El Salvador is making this Bitcoin. Like, why are we worried about it? They're going to start looking and start, you know, analyzing this thing. So, um you know, the more and more publicity they give to them, the more and more I feel like the chink in the United States armor is is uh, getting larger. And, uh, you know, companies or countries like El Salvador are starting to win. And, uh, you know, that's definitely not good as as far as, uh, you know, the United States goes as, as a, you know, one, as the holder of the global reserve currency and two, as like uh, an alleged powerhouse as well. So, um, yeah, it just seems like you know, the the clown world kind of keeps keeps trucking on, and and uh, nothing that we're doing is is really making any sense. Yeah. Our, um, well, I have the last story here. So I know both of us are more so on the adoption side of uh, you know Bitcoin, kind of as like a global reserve currency. Uh, but Golden Goldman Sachs completed its first Bitcoin options trade. Uh, so I'm kind of curious what you think about this, because um, I think this is kind of bullish for, you know, a lot of the financial space as far as it as it goes, like the Wall Street bros, the fiat bros is our uh, one of my buddies, Masa Sun Cap. Uh, he calls them on Twitter, but uh, they all kind of view Bitcoin more as an asset opposed, opposed to a currency. So I think this options trade is very big for. Uh, Bitcoin as an asset opposed to Bitcoin as a global reserve currency. Um, But uh, yeah, Goldman completed this with the help of Galaxy Digital. They've been working a lot together in the past. uh, And, you know, so it's kind of points to them working more closely together in the future. Essentially, it allows um, the trade was non-deliverable, meaning that the purchaser will cash settle for the price volatility of Bitcoin. um, So they could kind of trade on you know, the swings up and down relative to the U.S. dollar. Um, so what do you kind of think of people who view Bitcoin as like more so as like an asset, um, an investable asset opposed to, uh, you know, I guess Bitcoin, the currency? Yeah. Um, let me try out a brand new answer. OK, I haven't really talked. I haven't really said this out loud. Let me try out a brand new answer. It's positive because I don't own any dollars. I made a, I made a, one of my goals for 2022 was to see if I could not hold dollars for any longer than half a day. And so I'm three months into that. And however, the classic like chicken or the egg thing, right? Like Chase Bank that holds my mortgage doesn't take Bitcoin yet. So they prefer the foreign currency dollars, foreign currency to me dollars to pay my mortgage. So my checking account is not compatible with their checking account. If Goldman Sachs and other people like that want to sit in the middle and take my base currency and pay the foreign currency to my counterparty, sweet. Like, thank you. Thank you for helping. That's, that's my new answer. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Um, you know, uh, like for somebody that like you, that's basically on zero as far as like us dollars. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, you, there's more and more companies now finding a way to accept Bitcoin or, you know, crypto to a less, lesser extent, uh, as payments. And, you know, there's more and more things being highlighted, you know, whether it's States or everything like that. So, um, you know, I think uh, more people are going to try to, you know, trade on the price. Uh, um, but I and I don't think that's really dying. Right. Because I think, you know, there's even the, the people right now that, that do some sort of Forex trading where it's essentially trading on currencies. I think there's always going to be some sort of aspect on that. Um, I don't really know too much about Forex trading, to be honest. I don't know if there's like any kind of options option for that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I think that the trading on the currency is not going to stop. And I think uh, that's going to kind of continue. 
Um, but overall, you know, it gives the fiat bros a little bit more exposure to Bitcoin as a whole. And uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the, the more exposure that you can get, the better. And look, and they're going to look back the same way that me and my dad look back at Mt. Gox in 2014. And we're like, hey, we should have bought Bitcoin instead of bought the trading bot. Goldman Sachs is going to do the same thing. Seven years from now, they're going to be looking back at the balance sheet and say, like, hey, we should have held the Bitcoin. We should have held the Bitcoin, like, even though we scored all this paper on our, like, crushing options trading strategy, we should have held the Bitcoin um, because of XYZ, like, happened. And so, um, yeah, my new thing is that I agree with you. Like, it's not, it's not going to stop. And producers, the people that are going to continue to producers have leverage on dictating payment terms. And so as more and more producers dictate that they want to settle in Bitcoin, that's going to shrink that, that options window, because then there's going to be less and less um, on the Bitcoin side of it. And you're going to have all of the dollars chasing the little bit of Bitcoin. And that's like, that's physically what Ember Go Up is. So sweet. Exactly. All right. Well, we're getting towards the end here. That's that's my last story. So the last question that I'll ask you, how are you feeling about Bitcoin adoption? What is, or I guess a two-part question. What are you feeling about Bitcoin adoption? And what is the next big thing that you think is on the docket or that you'd like to see uh, for Bitcoin adoption going forward? Yeah. Um, Bitcoin adoption, I feel good. Like I wore this shirt. I wore the shirt to soccer practice the other day. I coach these 10-year-olds in soccer. And I wore the shirt the other day, asked me about Bitcoin. And 10-year-old kid told me what Bitcoin was. Okay. So that's, that's amazing. Like he told me what Bitcoin was. Um, and as far as the next thing I want to see, the next thing I want to see is it's kind of a cop out answer just cause it's so well known, but like basically square push lightning over the finish line for the, for the, um, merchants is probably, yeah, that's just the main thing. That's like top of my, top of my brain right now. I got you. I mean, I don't think that's really like a cop out answer. You know, I think yeah. Jack Dorsey moving to Square now block, um, you know, and focusing on it full time and his announcement, I believe it was last year at the Bitcoin Miami conference, um, you know, about how if it wasn't for Twitter and Square that he'd focus all his time on Bitcoin. I think, you know, this is one of the biggest things that he could do for Bitcoin. Um, so I think, you know, everybody kind of knows that it's a, a matter of time uh, before this happens. And I think, you know, they've kind of like went into the realm of Bitcoin mining. Um, so I'd kind of like to see them, you know, not necessarily go, you know, the strike route where they're straight peer to peer, uh, but something along those lines where they will they will do that. I mean, they've already kind of implemented uh, Lightning Network to the Cash App uh, transactions. And I think, uh, you know, if they can they can do that going forward, uh, you know, from peer to peer, uh, payments for businesses that would be even, even bigger. So, uh, I agree with you on that. Yeah. I have one more answer. All right. Here's one more answer. This is my actual answer. This is what I think was the next thing I want to see for, uh, Bitcoin adoption. I want to see more people running the numbers on being full on Bitcoin, like using Bitcoin as your base money. And what I mean by that is so inflation, like is out of control, right? Like obviously, like, but if you break that down, what does that actually mean? The dollar is losing to goods and services on average daily. It's no longer about like, oh, if you hold it a year, it drops. Or if you hold it a month, it drops. Like, no, you're seeing 7 8% inside one month. That means the dollar is losing to purchasing power daily. There's times in Southern California where the price of an average townhome goes up in one week more than I make in my paycheck in that week. That is the definition of a hamster wheel that you're losing on, okay? So the dollar loses to goods and services. Bitcoin, on the other hand, depending on how you run the numbers, like goes up on average 20 bips per day. So Bitcoin goes up on average 20 bips per day in purchasing power. The dollar loses purchasing power daily, okay? And then if you, I tweeted this out earlier, all the tools about like tax loss harvesting and like first in first out last in first out like all those things of using bitcoin as your base currency are getting better and better and better and so that's going to lead more and more people to actually run the numbers on holding bitcoin fully holding bitcoin and because currently the main financial advice is use dollars as your checking account use bitcoin as your savings account and in that way you're saving on taxes and you're stacking more sats 
I don't think either of those are true anymore. And I think the math is actually going to come out that you save on taxes and you stack more sats by holding Bitcoin. So that's what I want to see. I want to see more people running the numbers and putting that uh, thesis to the test. There we go. I like it. Well, on that note, let's wrap it up. I'm Brandon from Green Candle. Brian, thank you so much for joining you. Where can people find you? What else do you got going on? I know you got, uh, what is it, Bitcoin is Hard podcast. You're all, all the choice stuff yeah. you got going on. Um, what else? Anything else that I missed? Yeah. No, yeah. Brain. So Brain Harrington on Twitter. Brain like in your head, Harrington. My DMs are up on my Twitter. Send me a message. Search Brian Harrington on YouTube. Look at the homestead stuff I'm doing. Search Bitcoin is hard choice podcast on YouTube. Um, we're focused on personal finance. Like we're focused at the intersection of Bitcoin and personal finance and answering those exact questions about just how is Bitcoin taking ground in people's personal finances. There we go. I'm a choice user. I love choice. Um, so if you aren't using it yet, uh, shoot me a DM and I'll shoot you my referral code or just tweet at me publicly and tag me and Brian at GreenCandle.at and at Brain Harrington um, and I'll shoot you my referral code. So I think it gives it 50 bucks, right? 50 bucks in Bitcoin mm -hmm. to each. So yep. help me yep. help you. There you go. Yep. Perfect. All right. All right, Thanks so much, Brian. Yep. All right.